All right, uh, Larry mentioned this last week, but I'm going to reiterate it. We're doing a couple weeks of standalone sermons to start the new year. Typically, if you're regular to Joy, you know we preach through books of the Bible or sections of books of the Bible. Uh, but from time to time, we stop for a couple weeks to preach around a theme. Maybe we just did Advent. Uh, we'll do a few weeks around Easter. Uh, we might stop for a few weeks to talk about a pressing cultural issue, politics, ethics, morality. Uh, we might have a, a special word for us as a church. So Larry took, uh, what, about six weeks just on that one little section of Acts chapter 2 a few months ago. Uh, and occasionally, uh, we might stop to preach, this is very occasionally, on something we believe that the Lord has laid on our hearts for the body. Uh, we do it infrequently, Larry mentioned this last week, because we don't want to let our, the reason we preach through books of the Bible or sections of the books of the Bible is because we don't want to let our personal agendas be a part of what gets preached up here. We want to let the Word of God speak. That's our desire. But every once in a while, you know, we get our personal agendas. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. I, I hope my personal agenda is what the Lord's agenda is. Um, but next week, Larry is going to resume our sermons through the Psalms of Ascent. He's going to preach on the final three, Lord willing, over the next three weeks. Uh, and then we'll get back to the book of Acts again, Lord willing. This morning's sermon is, is going to be a little different even structurally than, than a normal sermon. More of a challenge for our consideration than an exposition of the word. Uh, again, not normally the way we preach, but sometimes useful. And kids, I have a job for you during this sermon, okay? Your job this morning is to tell me which name you hear the most during this sermon. Paul or Timothy, all right? So you got to keep track. Paul or Timothy, which name will you hear more? So this morning, we're going to look at two verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You can turn there. I'm not going to read them yet. If you're here as a believer in Christ this morning, I just want you to take a moment and consider who it was, the person or people who shared the gospel with you. Through whom you came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it was someone who poured out many hours so that you would hear and believe the truth. Someone maybe who then helped you grow in your faith. Helped you learn how to walk with the Lord. Do you have that person in your mind? Or those people? As you think of that person or those people, I ask you another question. Do you know who led them to the Lord? And behind that, who led that person to the Lord? We stand at the current end of a long chain. A chain that stretches all the way back to the early church. As we step into 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we encounter the Apostle Paul writing to his beloved Timothy. We meet Timothy in Acts chapter 16. He refers to Timothy as his child many, time throughout first, many times throughout 1 and 2 Timothy. Timothy was the dearly loved child in the faith of Paul. 
one whom Paul trained up for ministry. Timothy served as the pastor of the, what church do you know? What church was Timothy the pastor of? Not Joy Community Fellowship. That's how it went. Paul, Timothy, me. Uh, what church was it? Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. As we know, maybe from Scripture, this is a local body of believers that was very near and dear to Paul's heart before he went to Rome, uh, believing that he may be going for the last time on a journey. The place he stopped on his way was Ephesus. And he, and he gives this account in Acts chapter 20 of, of the, the love that they had for one another. And it says that we were torn away from them when we separated Paul loved the church at Ephesus. He loved all the churches, but we see a special affection for the church at Ephesus uh, where Timothy was the pastor. Paul wrote this letter from prison. This letter was written during his second imprisonment in Rome, this time under the brutal emperor Nero, who was no friend of Christians. And as you read 2 Timothy, you see that Paul knew that his time on this earth was limited. And he would ultimately be martyred. One of his last lines in the letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, is this beautifully poignant letter, or uh, sentence. The Lord will rescue me. So he's in prison. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. And you know what he says next? Maybe not what you think. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. This is Paul's last epistle. This is the last one in scripture. This is the latest written epistle of Paul. As he watched others depart the faith when the going got difficult, when the world stopped applauding, when pain was part of the equation, or when the lure of false teaching took hold, Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage him to stand firm and to continue the work that Paul had begun. Why? Because Timothy was proclaiming and defending the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the message that reveals the heart of God and reveals the hope of salvation, to depart from it or any other for any other teaching or to run away because people dislike the message, this would be a disaster. Timothy had the words of life and he must Hold fast to them. He must entrust them to others, just as Paul had done. Here we sit at the end of that chain of people who held fast to the truth and entrusted it to others who could do the same. The call on the church has not changed. So with the rest of our time, I simply want to read this passage and break it down into three parts that are simply three parts of the verses. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what we need is not a word from me, but a word from you. What we need is the leading and guidance of your Holy Spirit. So I pray that your spirit would give light to our eyes. Give us ears to hear. May my words be faithful to your word. Strengthen us and encourage us and challenge us, Lord. We thank you for the hope that we share through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. We're going to start where Paul starts these two verses. Paul had outlined just before these two verses that he had experienced desertion by those who were partners in the gospel. He was abandoned. They had forgotten or in some cases never known. I was thinking about some of them forgot the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of them had never known it. Some of them, John says in, in, in the book of 1 John, they went out from us because they were not of us. But I think about in Paul's ministry, there, I got two corresponding examples. They're opposites, actually. Demas and Mark, right? So you got Demas. We see in some of Paul's letters, he sees Demas as a faithful brother. We're going to find out. Well, we're not going to find out. But you see at the end of 2 Timothy, Demas is among those who have left in love with the world. Then you have Mark, who at one point, Paul is saying, this guy abandoned us. I don't trust him. We're not bringing him with us. And then later in life, we see Paul saying, Mark's a trusted brother. It's just pretty neat to see that. You know, so I, when I say some had forgotten, some had never known, there may be some who would later repent and return. But for now, Paul had been deserted because uh, some had forgotten the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, their Lord. And Paul urges Timothy not to forget the way they had. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What sustains us and strengthens us in all seasons of our walk with the Lord? How do we endure great trials, great tests of our faith? Paul sat in prison. He's in prison. And he knows with some degree of certainty, like a high degree of certainty, that he's not leaving alive. He's not getting out. He probably could have gotten out. If he had renounced his faith, maybe handed over some church leaders by name to the Roman government, he probably could have made a deal for his freedom. He could have saved his own head. Seemed that's what others were doing. Not Paul. Why? Why didn't Paul turn back? I think we get the answer earlier in 2 Timothy. Let's read. You should keep your Bibles open. We're going to flip around a little bit here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 8. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The Lord had shown the Apostle Paul great mercy and grace while he was a persecutor of Christians. The Lord had struck him blind, restored his sight, and given him spiritual eyes to see and believe that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Jesus saved Paul when he was the worst of the worst. The chief among sinners. Jesus had delivered him from the domain of darkness and transferred him to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom he had redemption, forgiveness of sins. The apostle Paul had been given the deposit of the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing his inheritance where death would be swallowed up by life. Death could not hurt Paul as he languished in that prison. Death would be a servant that would usher him into everlasting joy. And he exhorts Timothy, be strengthened by this grace, Timothy. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? Any of those things? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Timothy, remember this. Remember the lavish grace of God. Remember what he has done for you, Timothy. Remember that everything that is yours through faith in Christ is real and true and lasting and better than all the treasures and all the applause of this world. It's hard to remember. It's hard to remember when you're getting pressed on by this world. It's hard to remember. Timothy's encountering false teachers coming in, trying to destroy the flock. 
who are making promises that are way, seemingly, better than the ones that Timothy is making to his people. Telling them about health and wealth and, and maybe ways, or maybe it's a gospel that adds works to it that sounds like you can do it. You can make this happen. It's hard. It's hard when the world tells us like, hey, we're having a great time out here. Don't know what you're doing in there. Seems like what you do leads to prison and jail or life that's not as fun as the life that I'm having. Why don't you just give that stuff up and embrace the world? And Paul was laboring to make sure that Timothy would not be among those who went that way. Sadly, it is not just individuals, but churches that go that way. That say, we want to cater. Not, not, welcome the, not welcome the world around us to hear the good news of Jesus, but cater to the world around us and do what they think we should do. Remember that if you face opposition because of Christ, or trial in the name of Christ, or weakness while following Christ, His grace is sufficient. We sung it this morning, Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume, thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I cannot desert to his foes. That soul Though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. That's good news. This is a word for us too, brothers and sisters in Christ. We must know what and whom we have believed. Convinced that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to us. Whatever the external scenarios and consequences might be, his grace is sufficient. And that's where Paul wants Timothy to start things out. Remember the grace of God. Be strengthened by the grace of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. Not by yourself. Not by anything you've done. Not by your abilities. You are what you are and you remain what you remain by the grace of God. He made you who you are in Christ. He will continue growing you and he will help you to endure to the end. Do not depart from him, Timothy. Be strengthened in his grace. Moving on. With that, Paul says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. When Paul speaks of qualifications for church elders in Titus chapter 1, in verse 9 he says that they must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that they may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Hold firm to the trustworthy word. 
Paul said to the church in Galatia, in chapter 1 of the, of the letter to the Galatians, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And so here Paul is exhorting Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Paul was a man of the word of God. He was a man of the gospel of grace. When he was ministering among the Gentiles, he submitted what he was teaching to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. He wanted to make sure that what he was teaching was the right thing, was faithful, was the true gospel. Paul taught the scriptures. He reasoned from the scriptures. He proclaimed Christ from the scriptures. Paul sent, said that he was sent to preach the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Jesus is wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. He's saying, what I'm preaching to you is what is needed for all of life as a believer. It is what will sustain you for all of your life as a believer. The confession of Jesus as Lord and Messiah is the foundation upon which the church is built. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The church, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, is a pillar and buttress of the truth. What's a buttress? A support. Holds things. That's good. I see. A lot of people are doing this. I, I looked down. I'm like, I got a few people like. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes. It's something that holds together, support, pillar, and buttress. Holds together and supports, upholds. The church upholds the truth. That's what we're called to. We are called to rightly divide the word of God and to show how all of scripture ultimately points us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We proclaim as a church, Christ crucified and risen. And I say this whether you're a member here or visiting here, considering membership here, just stopping in for the week, whatever you want to say. If you're a believer or if you're somebody who's not believing in Christ right now, but you're exploring the faith I'll say it to all of you. If you are a part of a church, ultimately, make sure that that church has leaders who know, teach, and guard the truth of God's word. Make sure that your church, and this is not, not present company excluded. This is present company included. If ever Joy Community Fellowship was in a spot where the leaders of the church are not declaring the truth of God's word, are not upholding the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, if we are adding to salvation, adding to the word of God, if we are teaching things that are traditions, if we are teaching things that are not in the word, give us the boot. If we lose the truth, we lose hope. We lose the power of God for salvation. We are a social club at best. And helping people on the path to hell at worst. Probably both at the same time. 
Church leaders must model a stance for truth, even if it costs us worldly status, even if it costs us worldly comfort. Jesus promised troubles for those who follow him. In this world, you will have trouble or trials. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Leaders must believe, teach, and model that what we have in Christ is better than all the treasures of this world. And so Paul tells Timothy, what you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Brief side note, what's in the presence of many witnesses? Why does he say that? Commentators, I'm going to tell you, they disagree. Why does Paul say that? Some think it's tied to Timothy making his confession of faith. Paul references this in 1 Timothy 6.12, that Timothy had made his confession in the presence of many witnesses. He had been set aside for the ministry in the presence of many witnesses. It could be referring to his baptism that he made this confession in the presence of many witnesses. Uh, it could be that. But I think it probably more likely refers to the fact that what Paul taught was no secret, right? He didn't have some backdoor meeting. It wasn't secret special knowledge. He didn't say to Timothy, let me tell you something I'm not telling everybody else. And we see that in, in both Paul's words and Jesus' words in scriptures where they say like, when they're being accused or convicted, they're on trial, they're like, well, we taught openly, you saw me teaching, you heard what I said. It's not a secret. And so Paul's saying to Timothy, you heard me say these things openly. They were entrusted to you openly. And now you must, Timothy, take what you have heard and entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Entrust this truth to others who will, be, who will then be able to do the same for others. Is our final point this morning. Entrust this truth to others who will then be able to do the same for others. I'm looking at my brother, Stan Bachman, out there. Do you like this verse, Stan? Is this a verse that means anything to you? I've uh, been blessed on many occasions to hear Stan emphasize the importance of this verse. It's a verse that's been referred to as a verse that includes how many generations? How many? Well, all is that sign. How many are literally mentioned in this verse? Four. Four generations, right? What you have heard from me, Paul says. Take, so it's Paul, Timothy. Timothy's going to do what? Entrust it to faithful, faithful brothers who will do the same. Faithful brothers who will do the same. Four generations. Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is a global promise. But I do want to warn us this morning, that's not a local promise. So Christ is building his church and he will continue to. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ globally. But that promise isn't local. 
If we are not preserving and passing the truth from generation to generation, the local church will go away. How many generations would it take for the local church to go away? One. How many empty or repurposed church buildings do we see in our area? The truth must not be forgotten or assumed or it will be lost. That's Paul's heartbeat here, right? I'm going away. I'm going to die. Maybe by the time you get this letter, Timothy, I'm going to be dead. And I want to make sure that what you've heard from me gets passed on. And what they hear from you gets passed on. And what they hear gets passed on. And undoubtedly, Paul has at the forefront of his mind the preservation and protection of the truth among church leadership. So I'll start there. There is going to be application for each of us because I think it goes way beyond that. But I'll start at the top. The local church needs to be led by men who know, teach, and guard the truth. Paul tells Timothy on multiple occasions to guard what was deposited, guard what was entrusted to him, Guard it, take care of it, protect it, preserve it. And this refers to the teaching. But the church's leaders also need to be leaders in passing on the truth and training up godly leaders who will do the same. If we are so consumed as a church with the tyranny of the urgent that we forget to invest in future leaders... The church will suffer. If we just think we're going to be here forever, like Jason, he's, you know, relatively healthy guy, 40-some years old, he'll probably be the pastor of this church forever. I could be dead tomorrow. That wouldn't be good. Thank you. I'm glad that my child thinks that. Uh, but... But, but, it's important for us to understand, this isn't, this isn't my church. This isn't any of the elders' church. We are called to take what we have heard and entrust it to faithful people who will pass it on. To be raising up future leaders. If we only invest in this and here and now, if we think that we're going to be here forever, we are not serving Joy Community Fellowship well. It is our calling to identify, equip, and empower future leaders. I have been the blessed recipient of that. There are people way wiser than me that sit in this congregation who are part of training me up in ministry, who empowered me in ministry, who probably think a thousand times like, man, this guy. What is with this guy? Like, I, I could do this so much better. Uh, but they've, they've trained us up and they've, they've let us go. They've entrusted the truth to us and they've let us go. And now, and now they serve in this body in many quiet ways. That's a blessing. And I pray that 
Larry or I or Jeff or Matt or Dan or Craig or Steve would do the same. It's our calling to identify, equip, and empower future leaders, whether they be those who will serve in ministry here at Joy, be sent out planting churches locally, or be sent to plant churches globally. There, I, I believe that there are some in this room who aren't even going to be living in America in the coming years. We're going to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. We must entrust what we have been taught to other faithful people who will carry on the work. And as much as that was the burden of Paul's heart in this letter, I'm going to expand it even further. There is little doubt that the application of a passage like this goes beyond just church leaders. Every single Christian is ultimately called to this. Imparting truth, training up, and discipleship. Each of us has a role to play in this call on the church. We read it earlier in the service from Psalm 145. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. The church, both big and little c church, is to be a place for all generations. A place where the older, not just age-wise, but in their walk with the Lord, are commending the mighty acts of God to the younger, raising them up, teaching and training them, and entrusting these truths to them. We see in a place like Titus chapter 2, the call for both men and women to model and teach Christ-like living for the younger generation. Parents are called to do this for their children. Early in 2 Timothy, Paul lovingly reflects on the faith of Timothy's mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. Parents, and I ask this to myself first and foremost, are you sowing the words of life into your children? But this isn't just a parent-child thing, not just a church leader thing. This is a work that belongs to the whole body. And I am thankful for many examples within this congregation of discipleship relationships. But just as we do well, we can be challenged to excel still more. What is it that hinders us from developing and maintaining these types of relationships in the body? Take a moment. Think about it. What is it that hinders us from developing and maintaining these types of relationships in the body? Go ahead. Tell me. What's that? Okay, maybe our priorities are out of line. Good, good. Not good, but good. Other Insecurities. I don't feel like I can do that. I don't know how to do that. Too busy. Too much going on. I like individualism. I like being me. I'm, I'm, I'm a solo Christian. I do it on my own. Everything's good. Show up at church. We're good. What else? Intensity of relationships. Intensity of relationships. I don't know if I can handle it or want to handle it. What might come out in a discipleship relationship? The stuff we might have to work through. Yeah, good. Any others? Vulnerability. 
Pride. Yeah, I don't want another person to, to know me in that way. It's inconvenient. I got other things I could be doing. They might call me like when I'm watching TV. I don't want that. Time consuming. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an investment. You hit on most of the things I had written down. But I think, like, do you feel, I think for a lot, I, I tried to anticipate. What would a congregation of this size say in response? So I, I wrote, uh, do you feel ill-equipped or inadequate? I don't, I can't do this. Couple thoughts on that, okay? Number one, we're supposed to be inadequate, right? We're not, who is capable of such things? We are supposed to be dependent on what the Lord can do in and through us. So if we think like, yeah, I'm, I could never do that. Right, good. Join every believer for all time in thinking that. Isn't that the theme of the Old Testament faithful? I can't do that. You crazy, God? Me? I can't do that. But second, we would love to continue to better equip and resource you, whether it's through sermon teaching, whether it's through Sunday school classes, whether it's books, articles, studies, whether it's meeting with church leaders or others who have done it faithfully for many years, pointing you to others who can help you in that. Don't feel like it's something you got to figure out on your own. If this is what hinders you from pouring into the life of another, please come talk to me. Please send an email. Please shoot me a text message later today. I promise I won't say you're bothering me even though it is my anniversary. Uh, <laughs> maybe some of you would say, I didn't hear this one. Well, who could I help? Who would benefit from being around me? That's a great question. Again, please come to me and ask me that question because there's a lot of answers to that question. Maybe you'd say, well, there's not really like a discipleship program. I would, if we had a program for that, and I'm going to say uh, that while there can be some programmatic aspects of discipleship, discipleship happens in all kinds of ways. It happens one-on-one. -on -one. It happens in small groups. It happens in Bible studies. It happens in Sunday school. It happens in everyday relationships when you're going out for a walk or a jog. Passing it on is not a formal ministry of the church. We don't have a pass it on ministry. We, we are called to this every day, every hour of our lives. It's essential to everything we do. And so while we don't have a codified program for it, it's because we hope and pray and want to continue to labor to this end that everything we do is discipleship. Everything is passing the truth of Christ on from generation to generation. Maybe you say time is the issue. Too busy, not a priority. Who has time for stuff like this? I got a life. I got a job. I got a family, whatever. To that I say this. Invite other people into your life. Be a Christian around other people. It's a great discipleship program. Let them see your life. Let them see your conduct. 
Let them hear your words. Speak of Christ around them and with them and to them. We enjoy hosting our, our life group, our small group at our house. Uh, one of the reasons we enjoy that is because our group, and you can ask any of them if you know them, they get to see the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. They get to watch us attempt to discipline our children, or they watch us, Celeste and I, interact with each other. They, they see whether our house is uh, in good order, or we've had a rough week, or what, whatever. They're there. Our life group is our family. Our church is our family. But even more centrally, our life group is our family. They see everything about us. As such, we learn and grow together. We share and we show Christ to one another. We live with one another in all phases of life. Uh, the ultimate goal of all of it is greater conformity to the image of Christ. That we run this race together. That's what all of this is about. Protecting and sharing the truth so that Christ might be exalted and we might become more like him. That's what it's all about. So the bottom line of all of this is that passing it on doesn't have to be anything spectacular. I would hope that a person who spends more than a few weeks at Joy Community Fellowship, maybe one of their takeaways would be, it's not spectacular. No light shows, no smoke machines, no dynamic programs that like they're hoping, putting all their hope and trust in. They're just people who love Jesus want to share Jesus with each other and with the world around them. Unspectacular. Discipleship is unspectacular. It's a steadfast commitment to cling to the truth in all areas of life and to pass it on in word and in deed to those who in turn will do the same thing. No grand program, no pomp and circumstance. We are just called to be faithful. And in doing so, in closing, may we be reminded of a few things, brothers and sisters. Remember the words of Jesus who said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul who said, I planted, Apollos watered, but what? God gave the growth. And again of Paul. And we all with unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord. Are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. Who is the spirit. God doesn't call us to change people. Maybe that's what hinders us sometimes. I'm not going to be able to change them. I'm not going to be able to help them grow. I'm not going to be able to make them grow. Yeah, that's right. That's not your job. Your job is to be faithful. And what has been entrusted to you, pass it on. And God will give the growth. This is a great comfort to church leadership. And it should be a great comfort to each one of us. Paul did not call Timothy to change people. He called him to faithfully guard and pass on the truth. 
Be faithful, and the Lord will do the humanly impossible work. Be faithful in little ways. Remember that he is building his church, and consider who you may be called to pass it on to. Be strengthened by his grace and pass it on. May the church local and the church global grow and thrive as we entrust the truth to every new generation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, the things that I have just said we cannot do. Who is sufficient for such a task? Our grace comes from you. Our sufficiency comes from you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would grant us uh, the ability out of the love with which you have loved us by the power of your Holy Spirit and out of love for you to pass on what we have heard, to model in our lives what we have heard and learned from others. Thank you for those who have gone before us. Thank you for those who brought the truth of Christ to us. Thank you that you have been building your church from the time of Christ until now, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. May we take comfort in that and serve you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.